everyone, and welcome to The Funnel, an e-commerce podcast. Each episode, we interview e-commerce experts to bring you the latest insights, trends, and topics. I'm Shannon Keneally, content writer at Blue Acorn. And I'm Casey Long, client success manager at Blue Acorn. Today, we have with us Jared Hellman, director of insights and UX at Blue Acorn. Hey, Jared. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Casey. Hey, thanks for joining. Today, we're going to talk about everything that could go wrong when starting an optimization program, and of course, also provide how to prevent that. So, Jared, just starting off, what are some of the top things that could go wrong? Yeah, I mean, I would say the the, the number one thing that we see go wrong out of the gate is just kind of drastically underestimating resource needs, um, like both strategic and technical. You know, it, it really takes a village to, to build an optimization program. You know, even if you do have a couple unicorns running around that can do, you know, for instance, ideation design, maybe write a little JavaScript, or you have, you know, a, a developer is also a UI designer. What you really want is specialists working within their respective roles rather than generalists. Jared, could you give us a, like a high level of, for maybe somebody who has heard the term optimization, but has a pretty stripped down site at a scaling business and, and doesn't have a lot of context for just what optimization is as a concept and like how it's employed technologically? Yeah, yeah, sure I can. I think that, you know, optimization is, you know, the connotation has evolved a lot, you know, since we started working. When we, when we started working in it, you know, it was, it was almost strictly A-B testing. Personalization was still very much seen as an unknown quantity and, and to some extent kind of the, the emperor's new clothes because people have been talking about it for a while, but you'd go to trade shows and like nobody knew how the hell to do it. Yeah, We've seen it evolve a bit into something more akin to sort of like growth, for the lack of a better word, okay. um, like digital transformation, just like a continuous improvement to your, your digital experience, whether it's you know within the context of your web property or beyond. So, you know, the, the way that, that we see optimization is just like that. Any, any activity you can undertake to, you know, sort of improve your customer experience online with, with the pointed purpose of, of scaling your business. Almost sounds like it's analogous to like a, a continuous process improvement program within a business operations context. You know, like it's not a core discipline. It's not finance. It's not operations. It's not distribution. It threads through all of it, basically. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that's a that's a fun way to characterize it, um, and it's it's got some of those same kind of principles of you know yeah. continuous improvement and staying agile, and, and certainly iterating. Okay, but to that end, the the squad of people that you need yeah. to affect that kind of sea change or long term sea change, short term um, incremental change is is considerable, right? Yeah, and so the, what we're trying to to tease out here is what sort of missteps people make. It sounds like right. the biggest thing is like if you if you run this back to forward, like I'm an e-com director, my site's working, I'm transacting, I'm selling stuff on it. I know vaguely that I need an optimization program. Right. The the, the pitfall is like, well, I'll get optimized or I'll get monetate, hook it into the site, run a few reports, and then I'll know what I need to do to my PDP to make it, you know, transact yeah. more. Is like that basically what you're saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's represented as this, you know, fairly easy thing where like, you know, a couple numbskulls like you or me could get into a WYSIWYG editor and just, you know, move yeah. some stuff around and, right. and create monumental change and lift for, for website conversion. That's that's just not how it's it's actually done. Right. It's not a set it and forget it type thing. It's 
a continuous process. And yeah, yeah, and I mean it requires it requires so many people to be good at uh, so many things, many different people to be good at so many different things, right? Quantitative research, qualitative research, strategy, yeah. you know, UX design, UI design, development, QA, yep. analytics. Obviously, post launch, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of pieces there. What are the? I mean, you kind of rattle them rattle them off just there to a certain extent. Are there aside from like the basic fundamental uh, like QA, like any any effort on a, a site you're going to need QA for? But like, can you talk a little bit more about what some of the technical skill sets might be on the front end of that process in terms of the analysis and the you know, what do they need to be able to do technically? The skill sets from a, a tech perspective, I don't think are terribly divergent from what you would see, you know, as part of a core development team. It's more like a mindset, right? Like you really okay. want engineers that are focused on MVP, right? Like focused uh-huh. on building something that is certainly functional, um, but building it sort of as, as as nimbly and, you know, swiftly as possible because you're, you're not trying to to build features through your optimization program, right? Because that would yeah. be, you know, you don't know whether they're going to succeed or not, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you want people that can think about, you know, solutioning in the most kind of economical way possible. Okay. So once you understand the resources you need, how do you convince someone to see level say, these are the top three things that will happen if we start this optimization program? How do you turn that person to a champion for the program? Yeah, great, great question. I think that's one of the things we run into the most, especially kind of people that are trying to get an optimization program off the ground, trying to get sponsorship from their executives, is kind of shifting that perception from, you know, sort of this fun little tool that's likely a cost center to to an actual profit center, to an actual mm-hmm. ROI line item, just as, as clearly defined as ad spends on a balance sheet. Mm-hmm. The way you do that is, you know, initially you get them involved in the strategic process, Right. You want your process for coming up with ideas to be as democratic as possible, right? I mean, you want everyone from coordinators to executives being able to submit ideas, but you want, you know, a certain kind of core team or center of excellence that's charged with triaging those ideas and figuring out what you move forward with. A gatekeeper. A gatekeeper, sure. Mm -hmm. And those guardrails start with having somebody at the the VP level or even above sort of define what the business objectives for your, your company are, right? And from those business objectives, you can hone in on, you know, sort of strategic initiatives or strategic focal points in service of those objectives. And then even more tactically are the test concepts themselves. So the easiest way I think to get kind of executive buy-in from the jump is to, you know, to, to, to have them be the ones that are kind of stipulating what the strategic points are so that they have skin in the game for, you know, for what the, the program focuses on. And they're probably also the ones that are leading, driving the mindset within the technical team as well, making sure they're focusing on optimization, not just development, I guess. And Yeah, yeah. And what we're seeing a lot of this year is kind of a pivot away from thinking about kind of your your optimization technical team and your core web dev team as, as two separate entities, two siloed entities. Mm-hmm. Because what that does is kind of creates kind of like an unhealthy mistrust between the two pieces, right? Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're a developer, you're working on a site on a regular basis and you got this this rogue element, this, you know, third-party script that's capable of, like, you know, manipulating the DOM and completely changing the interface, of course you're going to be pretty also, wary of that. Also just like, yes, please tell me what's wrong with that feature I built. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Please unspool everything that we've done for the last you know, two years. Um, and then, of course, it becomes like the hot button, right? As soon as yeah. something breaks on the site, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to reach out to you and say, Optimize, you broke something on the site, or yeah. Monetate, whatever, broke something on the site. So, you know, what we've seen is a pivot away from that kind of siloed approach to more of uh, an integrated 
workflow, right? Yeah. So, you know, everything, not everything, but a lot of things come through your regular product backlog, right? So um, you decide whether or not a feature is, is worth validating. And let me tell you, it's always worth validating. And then you essentially build it in sort of an MVP fashion, deploy it like you would anything else, but deploy it, you know, sort of hidden. And then you use your A-B testing tool to split traffic and to reveal it for 50% of the, the folks. Yeah. And then yeah. run your testing that way instead of having optimization as a total kind of separate. You know, I know this is a drastic oversimplification, but when I when I talk to folks out there, I, I think of it as being on the front end of the dev funnel, not the end of it. Not, not It's not a post hoc thing. Like I think sometimes it gets pitched like, you bolt it onto your site and you see what whether or not we built works or not. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is like if you pull it forward into like this is what we think the backlog is and let's like push these these analytics and this analysis further forward so like we know we can spend more time building what we know to be effective, right? Is that yeah. a fair characterization? Yeah, I think that's the right way to think about it. What it what it does as well is it kind of takes developers out of that mindset of just kind of um, creating widgets and actually gets them, you know, kind of to think about this as something that, you know, is, is part of the evolution of the site and is something that, you know, can and will and should be validated so that they see kind of the, the end result of the stuff they're building instead of just, you know, setting it down and moving on to the next, the next story. I think that, you know, another one of the things that we see pretty consistently with people that are, you know, starting an optimization program is that, a-B testing is a ton of fun. Honestly, it's yeah. it's one of the most interesting, rewarding activities you can do on a website. So, you know, once you get that shiny new toy, like everyone's going to want in. You know, your, yeah, yeah. your CFO is going to want to yeah. test turning all the buttons pink. You yeah, know, you, right. have a, you have a marketing yeah, you have a marketing coordinator that wants to like personalize based on what people ate for breakfast. Like you're going to yeah. get ideas like out of everywhere. And the trick is kind of maintaining sort of like a, a sensible level of democracy around who can submit ideas, but also kind of maintaining kind of a center of excellence that controls, you know, what you move forward with. So yeah, we usually advocate for, you know, fairly open kind of submission policy. Yeah. So like anyone can submit an idea, um, but you have kind of a core team, a core center of excellence, we, we like to call it, um, that's really charged with kind of triaging those ideas, polishing them, um, deciding what you move forward with and when, um, is there also a natural progression in like is like when you're getting just getting this started? Is it like a bit of a, a, a crawl, walk, run sort of approach? Would you say is best like you know sort of like brilliance in the basics first, and then start going casting a wider and wider net for pink buttons and uh, and, yeah. and breakfast based content delivery? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With with anything, you know, you try to make it a crawl, walk, one, and and brilliance in the basics is a fantastic Caseyism, by the way. That's um, a Marine Corps saying. Is it? Yeah, so they tell young lieutenants. They're like, you guys are going to want to go Listen, Carter, and, and the like, do all this stuff. Yeah. Brilliance in the basics, yeah. guys. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's you start out, you know, obviously, with an AA test, a do-nothing test to make sure that, you know, that, that everything works. And you graduate from there to, you know, to, to, to more kind of incremental, maybe like a test in the visual editor, you know, moving something around, turning the buttons pink. Um, and yeah, you, and you, you evolve. I mean, you, you, you start, 
small and then work your way forward or you don't, right? I mean, like, yeah, you, you'd love to, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, especially if you're like a digitally native upstart and you yeah. just slapped optimizing on the side, if you're Smile Direct Club, shameless plug for a Blue Acorn client, like it's, it's not going to work like that. Okay. Like you're, you're going to get it on, you're going to get it on there. And then, you know, VPs and execs are going to have uh, just see. a treasure trove of ideas that they've accumulated yeah. over the years. And, you know, it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be free reign. So it's, it's really about creating, kind of a sensible system of governance around, you know, how you rank these ideas, how do you assess, like, what has the most potential, right? So we use a framework called RICE. Um, RICE stands for, you know, Reach, Impact, Confidence, Effort, to kind of at least rough out a score mm-hmm. for, for each concept that's submitted. Okay. Um, and that gives us kind of a force ranking. And then from there, we can go in and kind of like manually move stuff around. So if we have one that we know the COO is hot on, you know, maybe it, it trumps something with a higher score just because, you know, it's requested oh, wow. by an executive. Okay. Or if we have something that we know is, is super strategic, like if we know we want to be focused on, you know, lifetime value rather than in-session conversion, we have an idea that, that kind of personalizes the experience for people that have accounts or we have something that's you know focused on the PDP, and we know that that's you know um, a focal point for the for the business. Um, maybe that trumps something, you know, on the homepage, for instance. So anything that comes to the door, you guys shove it through that scoring process. Shove it through the scoring framework. Yeah, I mean, at least at least put some kind of yeah. you know quantitative assessment out there. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of steers it, and then when we do like a backlog grooming session, we'll have everything you know in descending order, starting with the the highest scored item, mm-hmm. and we'll say, okay, does this feel like the right order, or is there stuff that we should move around? And that's that's usually how we play it. So once they have buy-in, prioritize their test concepts, start running the tests, they get results. Like what what should they not do at that point? Like what's the best way to take those results and make something out of that? Yeah, I mean, so what are, what are pitfalls once you've actually like run tests and you have a big data set to work with, and now it's time to make decisions? Right. Yeah. So, so this decisioning is a key key point of this, right? So, like, um, uh, what we do is obviously before we launch a test, we take a, a kind of a directional guess based on you know kind of where the test is and how impactful it is, kind of how long we think it's going to take to get to a statistically significant result. Um, we'll set expectations based on that. Of course, they're usually wildly inaccurate. Um, so decisioning and weekly check-ins becomes a really important part of the process, right? So on a weekly basis, we take a peek under the hood. We look at, you know, uh, the primary KPI, uh, which is what we use to make a decision, as well as kind of the, the ancillary or supporting KPIs. Um, then we make a decision to, you know, to, to let the test continue to run. Um, to end it if it's if it's a total dog, mm-hmm. um, or to to graduate it to 100%. Once something's graduated to 100%, um, what you want to do is is figure out as quickly as possible how to productionalize it, how to you know get it actually built on the site. Um, which you know if you've if you've done it the right way and you've kind of deployed it through your regular release channels is not a not a Herculean effort. But if you're kind of having to rebuild it from scratch, if you built it as an MVP with you know um, client side JavaScript and CSS then chances are you're going to have to put it through your entire, you know, regular web development build process. But yeah, that, that, that piece right there is, is where folks miss out on a lot. I mean, you don't want to be powering experiences through, you know, your optimization tool in perpetuity. You want to figure out how to, how to actually create it in your code base. Do you find, um, do you find that you have to coach clients and, you know, e-com executives and stuff about like, 
not feeling that any one test or any one feature is sacred. You know what I mean? Like, is there a sort of like, do you have to tell them like, just follow the data and follow the analysis kind of thing? Do you ever run up against that where they're like fixated on this was my test. I knew this was going to work. It was going to come out this way. And then we were going to dev to this direction kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, we, we, we see bias, yeah. right? Um, you Mostly you see bias in the interpretation of results, where if something isn't quite at significance, but it's kind of leaning that way, they'll right. say, oh, it's a winner because it was my yeah. idea. There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. Right, right. yeah, <laughs> men, but men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie, you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's all there, so, like, you know, what, what we strive for is, you know, hitting stat sick, hitting statistical significance, yeah. um, and that's kind of our, our measure of success. If a test fails, it's not a failure to save because they're saving them from a bad customer experience. And yeah, it's, I, yeah. Yeah, I actually stole that that piece of terminology from a, a really smart guy named Matt Bischel. So, Matt, if you're listening, I, I give you all the credit. But, yeah, we, we've been calling our, our losses saves um, because it's, it's a bit more of a, an elegant way of representing something than just saying loss. Loss, loss is such an ugly word. You don't, you don't want loss on a scorecard. Yeah, but right. save, like we saved you from, you know, introducing right. this catastrophous experience to your site well thanks Jared for joining us for anyone listening um, you can find all of our podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts or on Blue Acorn site Um, but if you're looking for ways to improve your existing e-commerce site or considering a new e-commerce platform please feel free to reach out you can email us at info at blueacorn.com or call 843-793-5641 thank you